HRGrapevine.com. It is the HR Grapevine Podcast. Hi there, everyone. Eric Niewerowski, host of the pod. Thanks for listening today. And today is the first episode of a special series we are calling The Workplace of Now. And to do this, we are partnering up with our friends at Zealous. Now, if you don't know, Zealous is the leading provider of HR, payroll, managed services, benefits, and recognition solutions for the UK and Ireland. So over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about the top trends identified by Gartner. We'll be joined by thought leaders throughout the people function, and we're going to discuss the topics that will continue to change businesses for years to come. So in the first edition of Workplace of Now, we're going to be talking about hybrid working and asking the question if it really is the biggest driver of business change today. And to do that, I am joined by Jackie Summons. Jackie is an HR thought leader with decades of experience within the people function, and she is also a non-executive director at Zealous. Today, we're going to talk about working patterns and if they are driving change within work. And we're also going to talk about how HR leaders can step up to become strategic partners to the business. It was an insightful conversation with Jackie. I took a lot out of it. I hope you do the same. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jackie. starts off with my uh, HR background. So I've worked um, as an HR director for probably about 15 years, but in HR for much longer, um, for probably more than 30 years. Um, the early part of my career was very much in larger organizations. So I worked for GSK, Standard Chartered, Accenture, um, to name a few, and more recently, medium-sized um, organizations, mainly international, mainly technology-based, but um, but a few exceptions to that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's me from a from a, a career point of view. Um, and more recently, I have uh, started working with Zealous as a non-exec director, so I'm moving mm-hmm. towards that uh, sort of transfer part of my my career where I'm hoping to reduce some of my executive HR responsibility and begin to take on some non-ex- non-exec responsibility and Salas is the, the first part of that. So wonderful. Great, great. Well, thanks for joining today. So the topic of the series that HR Grapevine is producing along with Zealous is the workplace of now. And now is a very loaded term, right? Because now today is completely different than two years ago. And I have a sneaking suspicion that one year from now, now will look different than what it is now, right? There's just so many moving parts. And so along with that, this concept of hybrid working has really been the biggest driver of business change. Obviously, the concept of hybrid working pre-March 2020 was a very sort of abstract concept. Some companies were doing it, especially large global companies. But when you think of companies like HR Grapevine, you know, we were all in an office and then we couldn't mm-hmm. be in an office together. Now we're working in different places. My office is based north of London. I'm in Glasgow. So I guess my first question to you is if working patterns are driving the change, how can HR leaders step up to become strategic partners within the business? Yeah, so I, I totally agree, Eric. Completely different um, set of circumstances now to two years ago. And I also think when companies were hybrid in the past, uh, what that meant was also quite different from what it means now. Um, right. My experience definitely was was companies where 
it was encouraged to work remotely. Sometimes for an individual, there was a feeling that perhaps they were left behind somewhat by that process. And actually, the majority of the people were sitting inside an office somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that certainly has changed. And, and, and just like Grapevine, we are, um, we are working in a hybrid way now. I think the, the actual term probably varies for different companies. What do they mean by that? Because right. we certainly don't mean that everybody's working in the same way. We've got some um, employees that are pretty much in three days a week. Um, others who very rarely come into the office at all, and yet were fully office-based before the pandemic. So I think it means different things uh, for different people. I think from an HR perspective, the thing I'm finding really um, interesting is that We have this incredible opportunity as HR directors as we go through the next couple of years, either to shape the way that this pans out or to deal with the fallout of this thing out. And they're really different approaches. So for me, the fallout is when it doesn't work. Um, So when an organization sets the way it wants to work, not all of the employees want to work in that way. And then HR sort of do the mopping up process of people that don't want to come into an office, um, people that refuse to come into an office, um, people that feel that a whole new way of working is really affecting them in a very negative way. So we're kind of mopping up behind behind the scenes. As opposed to the piece that I guess I'm more interested in being a part of, which is how do you get up there at the at the top table and make sure that you're influencing that change? Yeah. Um, and for me, that it relates, therefore, to sort of three, in my mind, three very significant areas. One is um, what are the leaders like that we need to lead in this new organization? Because they're really different from what we've needed in the past. The skills are really going to be very different going forward. You are not going to have your team typically sitting in front of you so that you can see whether they're working or not. That's just right. that's just gone for most people. So how do you become a really effective leader? How do you bring your team together and focus them on the same end goal, the sort of why of an organization that we talk about, as opposed to worrying about whether people are doing the hours that you think they're used to or whether they're being as productive as they used to. It's a really different um, mentality. So leadership effectiveness is an area that I think HR absolutely has a part to Mm -hmm. play in and really could influence going forward. Communication is the other piece for me. This whole new way of working has the opportunity to work really well if people really understand what's expected of them in that new way of working. And it's not just about pushing out communications to employees and saying, well, actually, we've done that because everybody received that particular memo. So it's less about the push and more about how is it being consumed? How are people hearing the right messages and how are they being involved? So to me, I think there is a danger for HR, as there always is, that it could fall into the wrong um, the wrong role and be just there to sort of pick up the pieces right. as opposed to really thinking. And it's to your point, Eric, about what's, what's it going to be like in two years' time? Because it probably won't be the same as it is now. We're dealing with the immediate ramifications. And, and frankly, lots of people are still dealing with the uh, actual ramifications mm-hmm. of the pandemic. You know, sickness levels, et cetera, are still extremely high in the workforce. So what would it look like in two years' time? And how can we be in there and influencing that going forward? That, that's the piece that I think is really interesting. Yeah, what I find interesting about this is all of a sudden HR their, their role has been magnified almost overnight. 
HR teams were almost by default responsible for going with, with the CE, with, you know, key leadership saying, okay, gang, we have to not work in the office anymore. HR, this is your job. So very quickly, HR has really been more present in the way businesses strategize on how they work, obviously how they recruit. Was it as quick of a change for you? And were you expecting it? And was the pandemic that main precipice of this? I think it absolutely was. And and myself and certainly other colleagues in HR, I think one of the things that happened is that we we, we responded to it very, very quickly. So there was a mm-hmm. step up that was was really palpable. And, and I think that helped enormously. Most organizations did very quickly step up to a new way of, way of working. I think the the piece that was perhaps less obvious was for those companies that did predominantly move to becoming working from working from home, um, there was an ability almost to engage people in a way that we never had before. Because in a right. funny sort of way, it was a bit of a captive audience for a while. When people were actually locked down in their homes, there was a degree to which engagement became relatively easy because you uh-huh. could do some really exciting things to kind of make sure everyone was on the same page. I think the thing that caught probably all of the HR community out was more the sort of as we came out of the pandemic and the fact that those people who had seemed incredibly engaged seemed not to have the loyalty that we might have expected right. and suddenly started to resign from that organization that they had appeared to love. And, you know, I think we could talk forever about why that happened. I think there were all sorts mm-hmm. of um, all sorts of reasons. But I think that that was another sort of pivotal point, really, for HR to say, OK, now we have got to do something really different because, with this many people leaving our organization and and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about about that that piece of it because it's it's worrying how hard right. it is to find good good people at the moment everybody is str- struggling with that in different organizations and that was another piece where I think we kind of did step up and became I suppose almost in all of my career, this is the point at which I have felt personally more important than I ever have before. And I think my team have felt more important. The question now is, do we take that sort of position that we've achieved and do we do something with that so that we don't kind of slip back into the way that you described it at the start, which is, you know, much more about pay and rations effectively mm-hmm. as, as it was termed many years ago it, we we have that ability to kind of step away from that and I think we've shown that we can do that do we now sort of take that and go forward which I, which I would certainly hope we would yeah uh, before we move on to the next topic I just want to follow up with one point you know I had spoken with an HR leader recently and they had said that HR is almost like a marketing arm now where they, you know, HR teams are the focal point for the employer brand. Because as we'll talk about in a second, what an employer does and what an employer stands for really impacts on how long they keep talent there. So it's an interest, it's such an interesting and, and it just incredible to me how quickly it happened almost overnight. Overnight. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you, you know, we absolutely, I know within within my organization, you know, we are trying to find really hard to find technical skills in mm-hmm. people. 
we absolutely won't do that by trying to pay more than anybody else is paying. Right. That kind of just doesn't just doesn't work at all. And we're not an organization that have the luxury of being able to do that. So what we have to do, and we're really starting to focus on this, is what is it about joining this organization that's going to make somebody really want to be a part of it? And so right. absolutely, you're, you're out there marketing and selling your business as hard as you've ever sold it to people to sort of encourage them to take a look, then encourage them to come in. And then once once they're in, what can you do to, to make that relationship as sticky as you possibly can? You know, what's what's going to want people to to make people want to stay with the organization? That has, has been a part of the way in which we've worked uh, for a very long time, but it's definitely more of a focus than it's ever been. Um, in my organization, we've just kicked off a, a, a project which is really specifically looking at that that piece of it. Mm-hmm. What would it take for us to do to ensure that we um, we beat the competition when it came to to hiring these people? Because it right. won't be about pay. I mean, it's important right. and people need to, to, to feel comfortable in that. But that's not going to be the differentiator at all. And it's and it's tough. It is really tough. And, and for lots of HR people, that's not a comfortable place to be. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a place they've been before. Um, and some organizations have have in the past had people sort of falling over themselves to join. And all of a sudden they're starting to have that problem as well and thinking, right. OK, we've got to do something different here. So right. it's a really interesting point. Yeah. So let's move and talk on about that. You know, there's a lot of cliches around this new normal. Right. Uh, we write about it a lot in hrgrapevine.com. Uh, the great resignation, the great readjustment, the war for talent, right? It's different because the advantage is with the job seeker now, not the job provider, which I don't remember in my 20-ish years of professional life. I think it's actually fantastic. So, and like you said, money isn't everything anymore. And I think people have really realized that with the pandemic, having to be working from home, money's great, but is a flexible schedule. Uh, how many days off? What sort of perks are being offered now? Like, I don't really need free parking anymore, but what is something else that I need? So with this new normal, how should businesses compete for the war for talent? What are some things that you think are paramount in attracting new talent? But once you get them, how do you keep them in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and I think we shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that um, flexibility, hybrid working, remote working will be the answer in all right. cases, because I'm finding that as many people who want that kind of relationship with their their employer and they want that degree of flexibility and they don't want to come into an office, we'll also find another a number of people who want the opposite of that. Right. So we have to remember, you know, I certainly have to, to try to, to think hard about people who are not the same age as me, who are just joining organizations mm-hmm. who are much younger and earlier in their career. And for them, the idea of joining a company which is predominantly working from their home office might not have any appeal whatsoever. Right. So, so it isn't even as simple as saying that there's an you know an obvious answer for every organisation. So for for me, the the thing is that as an organisation you try you're trying to work out is you do have to set out your stall. You do have to say how we are going to work here. This is going to mm-hmm. be the approach that we're going to take. So we are you know we have said that's what we're going to do. We're going to be predominantly a hybrid organisation with most people not working in the office. 
So, so we do therefore have to accept that we will cut out some people from wanting to join the organisation. I think you have to be realistic about that. There were organisations before the pandemic that worked completely remotely, didn't have offices. They still managed to hire people. They hired right. people who wanted to work in that way. And they and they sort of made sure that they geared everything towards those uh, those people, you know, wanting to work in that way. So, um so I, th I think we, we have to be careful of not one size does not fit all. But once right. you've decided what do you want to do as an organization, or how are you going to work, then it, you're right. It's about taking a really radical look at those benefits that you've always provided and saying, do they apply anymore? Are they as relevant as they used to be? And I mentioned earlier about the, the program that we're going through um, in the company at the moment we are actually asking that question. So we're saying, look, we've got this set of benefits. They've always worked pretty well. People have found them attractive. Do they really appeal to people now we're working in a different way? And actually, if they don't, then it's time to, to move on, make a change and do something different. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's radical change in lots of, um, in lots of ways. Um, in the past, if you had an office, that became part of the way you looked to attract people. It was part of your culture. It was part of your brand to a degree as well. If you're not going to do that, how are you going to go forward and, and create that degree of um, collaboration in some other way so that people can still feel they work together? Um, so, yeah, we I absolutely don't have all the answers here. Right. I wish I did. We are struggling like anybody else. Lots of vacancies, hard to fill roles. Um, but I feel that just doing the same thing will just result in the same uh, the same outcome. So it's, it's about trying to change your relationship, I think, with your potential employees going forward. Right. So I love how you said it's not a one size fits all approach. And you had mentioned, you know, right, so an organization outlines how we this is how we will work as an organization. Say a candidate comes in, though, right? And this is purely hypothetical. Say a candidate comes in and on paper they hit all they all of the skills that you need in this, especially like say in a demanding tech role, an engineer, programmer, right? They have all the skills. They're a great culture fit. But the one thing from keeping them to get really excited about the job is the fact that maybe they want to be hybrid or they don't want to be hybrid. Is there, based on like the, the sort of star quality within a candidate, do you think that there's room to bend a little bit and make a special instance? Or at, at, at what point does that sort of, I know it's not a one size fits all approach, but if you have a company of 2000 people, you can't have 2000 different sort of models of working, right? You're absolutely right. And I think that it's why I think a number of organizations are not going fully to an office or fully mm -hmm. homeworking. I think it's why there's this kind of hybrid arrangement, because I think most organizations are realizing that they, if they are too prescriptive about one uh, type of way of working or another, they will potentially um, lose, lose, you know, some employees from, from joining or, or turn some people off from joining their organization. Um, you know, we have certainly done that, but we've also had really honest conversations with people. And we've had, I know that we've had people at interview stage who have said, look, I'm looking at other organizations where I'm going to be in the office fully in a you mm -hmm. know quite a nice swish office in London. Are you going to be able to offer that in the future? Right. We've been really clear and said no, we're, mm -hmm. we're not going to because actually this is working really well for us. We're we're, we're seeing higher levels of productivity um, and and engagement actually in in many areas by not doing that. So actually we're not going to 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 do that going forward. And I think 
there does have to be an honest conversation because the other thing I notice with some um, organizations, you know, people have talked about this is that you can attract somebody in, but it's that people are being lost very quickly after they join an organization. Right. I, I often wonder if that's just the penny then drops. Gosh, I thought this was going to be really exciting to be working at home. I was going to be able to take my dog for a walk at lunchtime and I was going to be able to do all those things. Right. Actually, I really don't like it. I really enjoyed being in an office with people. That's, this is not for me. And I, I think that honest conversation at the start is, is, is crucial, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just, as you said, that I was kind of thinking about myself. I, I do like working remotely, but I think my dog is annoyed with me because uh, he doesn't like walking that much. Right. <laughs> um, but he is. He's, he's saying, oh gosh, Eric's back again. <laughs> exactly. And thankfully it's raining in Scotland a lot. So we don't get out as much as, as, as we would like to, but yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, do you have any like forward thinking approaches as to how organizations are creating this hybrid workplace, there's a lot of different, you know, hybrid's a very sort of generic term. It's gotten pretty watered yeah. down. So, so how can organizations go about creating a hybrid workplace? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about um, this. I've been thinking about this a lot in the organization at the moment because I, it isn't as simple as being an HR issue to deal with. I, I feel as though it's it's a business um, issue. There's a number of different strands that need to, to come together. So there are definitely things that the HR function ha can influence and, and they do need to have a look at things like, you know, how, how are you recruiting people? How are you then uh, going through induction, training, all of the things that you normally did? How will they work in, an, in a hybrid setup? So there is a big part of it, which is, squarely within the HR function to, mm -hmm. to fix, making sure that people know what they can and can't do, what are the policies, what are the procedures. But to me, there are two other really significant players in this. One is around the whole facility um, piece. You know, right. what have you got and how does it work? And I think we're probably going to look to bring in some specialist help, actually, because we have as many organizations do. We have offices across the, uh, the UK. Um, you know, some are working really well, some are very empty. And so you kind of have to think about how you work that so that it works really well. To me, right. that's not necessarily an HR um, issue, but it's certainly something that, that needs to be thought about. So how are you going to operate your facility? But the other really big thing to me is is the, um, the whole piece around digital and IT systems, because mm -hmm. frankly, um, we've come a long way in two years in terms of the way these things work, no yeah. doubt at all. And I think lots of organizations um, were sort of catapulted into a better way of working from an IT perspective. But there are still organizations that are struggling with this. And there are still parts of the country where people are working where they don't have great Wi-Fi. No. I have the joys of living in Norfolk and it does vary from time to time, I have to be honest. Can so I be honest with you? I'm, I'm surprised that my Wi-Fi has held up so well up here in Scotland because it is windy today. So I, I certainly <laughs> yeah. can empathize with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so those sort of things are real problems that unless businesses face and deal with, they slow down business mm -hmm. and they also frustrate that's the thing they, they that to me more than anything else they frustrate employees because they can't work easily and effectively and something that should take them you know 10 minutes takes them half an hour so you right. so you've got to sort of iron out those technical difficulties in an organization so again not necessarily an HR thing to fix but there, there definitely is a need to have a look at that so to me there's you know, the sort of facility side HR side and digital side having to come together and work on something 
um, to, to make a hybrid organization work effectively. Some organizations are further down the line than uh, on this than, than we are certainly, and some organizations have, have, have started to crack this. But for, for a number of people I speak to, there is still this struggle. We're, we're sort of, we think we're out of the pandemic. We think we're now working in the new way, but actually there's a whole load more over the next right. year or two to get properly in place if we want this to work. And, and if we want this to be sustainable as well, if we want people to be able to, to be working effectively in five and 10 years time, the decisions that we take now um, and, and in the next couple of years, I think are really going to be crucial in that. Yeah, I would agree. Thanks for sharing with that. So I just want to wrap up then, if you wouldn't mind, with kind of reflecting a little bit on the last two years. I know you said, I mean, it certainly feels like the pandemic's done, but like you said, it's it's not. Um, I feel I'm okay because I just had it three weeks ago and I came out, I'm just, I'm just fine, right? Um, but it certainly feels like when you go out that people think the pandemic's done. So I, with that in mind, if you have any reflections, any sort of key, a quick key takeaway that you'd like to share of everything you'd experienced as an HR leader in the last two years? If you could sum it up in 20 seconds, what would it be? Do you know, I would say that I feel as I head out of my HR career, because I am starting to look, mm -hmm. uh, look to the future of not working uh, as much, um, I would say that I feel that HR has finally got to the position in an organization which I've wanted it to get to for more than 30 years. And, and, mm -hmm. I, and I do hold, you know, I do, Feel the pandemic has has had a huge part to play in that. Um, I feel I feel quite proud actually that that we as a as a function stepped up. Yeah. Um, at that point when people really needed us, and I don't just mean from a point of view of you know writing a policy or making sure that somebody knew how to furlough their staff. I mean those were were fundamental things that I think we had to do well. But actually, I think we really on the whole took care of our employees we put them at the center of what we did uh, we thought about um, their well-being when they were working away from from where we could see them and we tried to really kind of look after them on the whole so I, I feel mm -hmm. like we did really step up um, and so I have this this hope Eric that I might end my HR career um, in a really different place from where I started in the uh, the, the mid 80s uh, where HR yeah it really had to fight very very hard to have a voice right. uh, at any kind of t a table uh, frankly and uh, was often sort of the last thing that, that was considered people were often the last thing that were considered and I, I feel that we've moved uh, um, we've moved on considerably from that point um, partly as a result of the pandemic almost certainly a big part of it and yeah. um, good to be a part of it good, good to be a part of it. Yeah, so it sounds like that, you know, there there's that silver lining, right? And for me, I would say my silver line, what my key reflection is awful stuff with the pandemic, but the silver lining for me is the fact that it opened up a talent pool, uh, a borderless talent pool, where all of a sudden now my geographic location didn't impact how I worked, where I worked, when I worked, or who, most importantly, who I worked for. And I think the organizations that quickly adapted that model are the ones that are, have been the most successful. And I'm, and I know you can't see everyone cause it's a podcast, but I am doing air quotes around successful. Uh, but yeah, opening up the talent pool. And, and I think certainly uh, business leaders that took stock of that noticing, I don't have to, I'm not bound to London. I'm not bound to Manchester anymore. I think those are the firms that will be successful going forward into the new new normal so yeah i really enjoyed the conversation thank you so much i really enjoyed talking to you eric thank you
Well, once again, I'd just like to thank Jackie Summons for lending her insights through her years of expertise in the HR field. Appreciate her lending her opinions on the working patterns and how they're changing and how HR leaders can step up to become the next strategic partners amongst other topics in the pod. We will be back with another edition of Workplace of Now in a couple of weeks. And in that episode, we will be speaking about the younger workers and asking the questions if we're failing a generation. So once again, thank you for joining me on this episode of Workplace of Now, presented by HR Grapevine and Zealous. 